every week there is a new opportunity to grow in your faith. There's a new opportunity to go higher. There's a new opportunity to see something fresh. There's a new opportunity to experience God in a new way. Whether you've been a believer for a week or you're a seasoned saint for the last 70 years of your life, there's always an opportunity. And being plugged into the local church, listen to me, is the greatest thing that you could ever do. If you ever sense that you should not gather in the local church, if you ever sense that it's time for you to move on and you just need to do a Bible study at home by yourself for six months, that's a lie from the enemy. You need to be plugged into a local church. You need to be submitted to leadership and authority. You need to be under a covering. We have flourished in our lives because we have been in a local church. We've moved to other local churches, but not down the street I don't know who that's for. Maybe it's for the people online, okay, because you're not here. All of a sudden, God's calling me. Two minutes down the road? I don't think so. God's calling you to be plugged into your house. My wife and I, I'm going to let you sit down in a second. My wife and I grew up at the same home church in Orlando, Florida, and I never wanted to leave. Never wanted to leave. I watched that church flourish, and I watched my life flourish. When my family first started going, when my wife's family started going there, way back in the 70s, hello, somebody? When that church started with 11 families, and they watched that thing grow through the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, and then my family got plugged in in the, in the mid-90s, and I watched that thing grow all through my life, and they went from 1,000 to 1,500 to 2,000 to 2,500 to 3,000 to 3,500 to 5,000 to 6,000. I remember when the church moved from one campus, and they bought a new property, 94 acres, $42 million facility in Orlando, Florida, to reach their community. We were plugged in, and it was in that moment that the Lord asked me to move, and I didn't want to go because I love my local church. My wife and I, we met each other shortly after that. We got married. We were in a local church in Daytona Beach, Florida. Definitely didn't want to leave there. Hello. <laughs> but it was a word from the Lord and confirmation from my pastor. Hello? From my pastor who looked at me and said, son, you can go. But in a year, when you're tired of it, you can come back. <laughs> that was eight years ago. And I'm locked in. We're locked in. I'm thankful that my wife took off a Sunday. She serves at our local church. She's on full-time staff at our lo local church. And she took off a Sunday to be here. Not really with me. She just wanted to be in Kentucky with you. She didn't really care. <laughs> we were driving here this morning. She goes, I feel right at home. I love this. I said, well, you're getting on a plane on Tuesday and going back to home home, okay? That was a word about the local church. People need to hear it. You want to grow? You want to increase? You want to prosper? You want to get out of your mess? You stay plugged into your local church. Watch your life fall apart if you leave. It'll always fall together if you stay, but it'll surely fall apart if you leave. I'm just telling you. All right, that has nothing to do with the word I have today. Give a big clap of praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. High five a neighbor or two, and you can be seated today. Wow, I've used up most of my time talking about the local church, but if I only came here for that, it was worth it. If you were here uh, 
about 15 months ago, I was in the building, and uh, we had a lot of fun. If you were there and you came back, you're crazy, but welcome back. Thanks for coming. Maybe you didn't even know I was going to be here, but I'm here, so you're stuck, okay? Uh, you're not allowed to leave. I've had security lock all the doors, all right? So you can't leave until you're dismissed. <laughs> Man, it's uh, the best part about today is my wife is with me. She was not with me last time. She's with me today. Babe, I love you. I say that privately, too, just so you know, all right? It's not just a public statement. I love you. Also, our beautiful children are with us today. They're over in uh, Kids Church. My three-year-old son, Jet, uh, his energy represents his name, okay? So if you see this little boy running around screaming at you, my name is Sonic, that's Jet, okay? <laughs> He's got the energy of Sonic. Our one-year-old, who, by the way, was born right at the same time that I came here last year. So my wife gave birth to our daughter, Banks, and I got on a plane to come visit you. So you better know I love you. This time, I brought her with me, and uh, she begrudgingly is in kids' church. So we'll see how long she stays there. She's really attached to mommy. Mark, brother, look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. Who would have known 20 years ago that God would cross our paths like he has and that we would be here today in this moment. You know how that happened? Through the local church. When I was plugged into my local church in Daytona Beach, Florida, I was connected to an evangelist there. That evangelist preached at a local church in the Pocono Mountains. In the Pocono Mountains, he introduced me to the executive pastor there. I became friends with the executive pastor at that church we were friends for years, and two years ago, right before uh, March of 2020, when, you know, when the, somebody got the sniffles happened, when that, when that occurred, <laughs> Holy Spirit fingers, I love you. I offended half of you already. Uh, <laughs> God bless you. You find out which news station people watch by when you make a comment, okay? <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, and so he then introduced me to Mark, and they were friends through local churches. That's the power of the local church. You, when I said earlier I used the word prosper, it's not a bad word. It's actually a good word. It means to move forward. The local church is the greatest network of relationships that you could ever have. One person who's sitting next to you could be and probably is connected by, by separation of two or three degrees to thousands of people around the world. I don't know why anyone would want to leave the local church. If I wasn't saved and I was only consumed with myself, oh, help me, Jesus, some days I am. If I was only consumed with myself, I would attend a local church just for the relationships. It's amazing. You shouldn't have talked about the local church. I am really passionate about this thing. All right, 15 months ago, I came to you and I taught, a, I taught a message titled, What I'm Teaching My Kids About Money. Anybody remember that? Okay. Today, I'm gonna bring a word. Where's the clock? Okay, we're good. He told me I only had, last time I went like two and a half hours, he said two hours and 20 minutes this time. So we gotta run, okay? What I'm teaching my kids about faith. Oh, this is going to be good. 
It's going to be good. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to be good. What I'm teaching my kids about faith. Are we ready to run? We're just going to jump in. Last time I came here, we told all the jokes. It was fun, okay? Let's skip all the jokes this time, and let's get straight into the word. Sound good? All right, we're just going to get in the word. We're going to grow. Our faith is going to be built. We're going to be better. We're going to leave here moving forward, prospering, okay? Here we go. So the Bible says, Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. It says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, Pastor Mark, thanks for hope, in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Okay, here we go. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Check that. It doesn't say that what we want and what we're believing for isn't there. It just says that we don't see it yet. Some of us give up way too early before we actually see the breakthrough. Some of us start down the path on the journey and we get tired halfway through and we quit before we ever experience what God has for us. You know, sometimes you, it, it's inch by inch, my mentor used to say, it's a cinch. Inch by inch, it's a cinch. But some of us, we want to run miles at a time and we get exhausted and then we quit and we fade away and we were almost there. I mean, we were, we were a moment, we were a week, we were a month away from seeing what we wanted to see. And instead, we gave up and we quit and we walked away. Faith tells me that it is there. I just have to hope and I have to wait for it. This is what the ancients were commended for. Get ready. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Uh-oh. He brought a better offering. Hmm. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. You know that it doesn't say that he brought a bigger offering. It says that he brought a better offering. And the reason he brought a better offering is because he brought it by faith. He brought an offering that stretched him. He brought an offering and he said, God, I believe so much in you and I believe in what you have asked me to do and I believe in your power that I'm gonna bring this offering to you by faith. Do you know that his offering was given by such big faith that it still speaks today? And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Did you know that an offering that you give could speak so loudly that even when you are gone, people still remember it for you? The church that I attended, my local church that I attended when I, when I was younger, there, there was people's names that were in certain parts of the building. They were named after people who gave offerings by faith and they're, they're dead today. But people still remember them. Do you know that your giving should outlast your living? That you should still be giving even when you are gone. Oh my gosh, this is much better than some of you are leading on. Thank you, Pastor. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that they did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. 
And without faith, check this out, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It is impossible to please God without faith. There's nothing else in this world that will please God but your faith. And when you believe and when you have faith, you will take crazy steps in your life. When you believe that the God of the universe is behind you and beside you and before you, the actions you take with your life will represent that. I know that you believe based on what you do. Because faith without works is dead. Are you hearing me? I don't know if, if you believe if you don't follow the word. I don't know if you don't, I don't know if you believe if you're not here on a regular basis. Because do not forsake the fellowship. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints. I don't know if you believe. I do not know if you, get ready for it. I do not know if you believe when I check your giving record and your name isn't there. I don't know. Because by faith, I trust God. I trust God with my body. I trust God with my finances. I trust God with my life. I trust God with every area. So when I do that, I take the action associated with that. Because your belief will lead to your action, and then your action will produce your results. So when you look around and you're seeing the results that you have, when you're looking around and you see your life and you're not getting what you want, don't ever go back to the action you take. Go all the way back to what you believe. Because if you believe you can, and you believe God is able, and you believe God is good, then you will take the action based on that belief, and it will lead to your results. The results we have in our, yeah, that's really good. The results we have in our life right now are all based upon our belief. I would not be here today talking to you if I did not believe that there was a real God and a real Jesus who died on the cross and three days later rose again. I would not be here today if I did not believe that there was an eternity in heaven that was awaiting me. I would not be here today if I did not believe that you needed to hear this message. I would be somewhere else doing something else, but I'm here today because of my belief. You're here today because of your belief. But where you're going will be determined by what you believe. Huh. That's really good. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 says this. For this world is not our home. Hmm. It's really good. Philippians 3.20 says this. But we are citizens of heaven. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. For this world is not our home, but we are citizens of heaven. Do you know that citizenship gives you certain privileges? You know that citizenship gives you certain rights and benefits. Did you know that? You know that your relationship with the Father gives you certain benefits and privileges just because you're in relationship with God and you're a citizen of heaven. And some of you are waiting to get to heaven to experience it, and I'm already experiencing it here on earth. God doesn't make me wait. I, re I, remember, I remember when I was traveling with an evangelist, uh, when I first started out on the road and I was traveling with an evangelist. Have I ever told you this story, Mark, about the first time that I ever went to a hotel with him? I remember we were on the road together and this evangelist told me, he said, Jamie, he said, we're gonna go to our first event. We were going to Miami, Florida. We were going to Rich Wilkerson Seniors Church. 
Everybody knows Rich, right? So he was preaching at Rich's church. And when we went down there, he said, we're going to the hotel. And I was like, man, that's awesome. And so we got there. And I don't know if you, uh, if you grew up the way I did, but when someone says hotel, what you think about is a parking lot that stares at a one-story building that has a door on the outside of the building. You know what I'm talking about? And you park right in front of it. Like the Red Roof Inn. Have you ever heard of it? That's a hotel, okay? Or, or as other people would call that, it's a motel. I didn't know the difference. Did I ever tell you this story? And so we come, we come driving up to this place in Miami, and I look, and there's this building, and it's 20 stories tall. And I'm looking at this dude. I said, where are we going? He said, man, I told you we were going to the hotel. I said, brother, that's not a hotel. That's a mansion. <laughs> I said, we passed about 10 hotels. He said, no, 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 no. This is the hotel. And we walked into the building, and we got there, and there was three different lines that you go in. And one of the lines, it said diamond lined. And he went into the diamond line. I said, we getting diamonds today? This is awesome. I need a diamond. I wasn't married at, the point. <laughs> at that point. I said, I just need a diamond because I'm going to find a wife. I'm gonna, what, what are we doing in the diamond line? And so we went to the diamond line. Oh, that's my favorite. And we went to the diamond line. <laughs> yes, Lord, what are you trying to tell me right now? Talk to me, Jesus. <laughs> You don't like this story? You don't like this story, God? <laughs> okay, I get it. You don't like it. And so we went to the diamond line. And when we got to the diamond line, and we walked, oh, you are pleased. Okay. And so when we got to the diamond line, <laughs> oh, I'm having too much fun. <laughs> and we got there, and he walked up, and, uh, uh, and they looked at him, and they said, uh, welcome, Mr. Griffin. I said, welcome, Mr. Griffin. How do they know that? What is going on? I, I used to go to hotels, and you'd walk into the check-in, and they're like, why are you here? <laughs> Get out my face. And that was, you know, that was the response. You know, cash or cash, that used to be the thing. <laughs> but this place, they took, you know, Amex. They took credit cards. And so the, he goes, and Mr. Oh, you know, Mr. Mr. Griffin, for your loyalty of being a diamond member, you have been upgraded today. I was like, we've been upgraded. Okay. <laughs> what is this? Building's already upgraded. How can we get even more upgraded than this? You know, I, I, grew, I grew up poor, all right? And so I didn't know what that was like. And so we go, we get on the elevator. They take us all the way to the top floor. We walk into this hotel room. And when we walk into this hotel room, I'm looking around, and it wasn't a hotel room. Because when you walk into a hotel room, if you come from where I come from and you grew up the way I grew up, you walk into the room, and immediately you step into mushy carpet that smells with a dead cockroach. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and you look, and there's two beds, and they say they're two queens, but you don't know what size they are. They're, mis <laughs> you know, they're mismatched, right? It's just not real. And then when you look down uh, uh, to the right, there, you know, there's some broken furniture over there. You know, it's been chipped, right? There's a chair in the corner of the room. You definitely don't want to sit there. Don't ever sit on that chair. You know it, okay? And then you see at the very end of the hotel room, you always see the sink, the one sink, and it's yellow, you know what I'm talking about? And the huge mirror, you can see yourself. And then to the left, there's a door, and you've got a toilet. Maybe you should sit there, maybe you shouldn't. And then there's a shower. You ever been there before? Oh, you can't forget the closet that's not actually a closet because it has no doors. We walk into this room, marble foyer. Is that how you say that? I'm not educated. Marble foyer. <laughs> We go, and we look, and we step in. I'm looking around. I'm like, what is going on? There was a doorbell on the room. There was a doorbell. And I'm looking around, and there's a full kitchen. Stainless steel appliances. 
Probably melee appliances. If you know what that is, you're rich, okay? Melee appliances. And I, I'm, looking, I'm looking around, and, I, and, I, and I, there's a living room, full-scale living room. I was like, dog, where are we? This is awesome. And then I look off to the right. There's a bedroom, master bedroom, or primary bedroom. Sorry, I don't want to offend anybody. Primary bedroom. <laughs> and so then we walk in there, and there's a king-size bed. And he looks at me, he's like, you ain't sleeping with me, you on the couch. And I was like, no, 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 it's good, I know, I'll be on the couch. And, and then walk in, and then there's a huge bathroom with the glass on the shower all the way around. Full glass shower. Two sinks. And I'm looking around, I was like, this is crazy. Two balconies, one out of the living room, one out of the bedroom. And I go, and I, I walk out to the balcony, and I look to my left, and it's the bay. And I look to my right, and it's the ocean. And I'm 20 floors up, and I'm having this moment. I'm king of the world. <laughs> Yo, where's my phone so I can take a selfie? <laughs> Got to post it on Instagram. And I'm having this moment, king of the world. And the Lord speaks to me, the Holy Spirit. And he goes, Jamie, do you know why you're here? I said, no, because <laughs> you love me. He's like, I love you, but you're here not because of you. You're here because of who you're with. You're here because who you're in relationship with. You understand that you will only have access to certain things in life based on who you're in relationship with. There's things in life you cannot buy. It only comes with relationship. You want to know what true wealth and true prosperity is? True wealth and true prosperity is not just being able to pay your mortgage every month. True wealth and prosperity is not just having savings in an account. True prosperity is not just having a 401k retirement or investments into crypto. Oops, by the way, you're poor if you invested in crypto. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> yeah, that's not funny, is it? It was fun last fall. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> True wealth is relationships. And those relationships will produce other types of wealth in your life. Oh, man. I went down the next morning for breakfast, and I walked, I walked in to what was not a continental breakfast that was six days old with mold on it. I walked into a private room that had key card access only, except I didn't bring my key, so I snuck in behind somebody else. <laughs> and I walked in, and the lady stopped me, and she said, sir, what's your name? I said, Jamie Pa, how don't you know me? <laughs> she goes, she looks down the list. She said, sir, your name is not on the list. You can't be here. And I was like, wait, who am I with? And I said, Alan Griffin. Alan Griffin. And she looked, oh, she's like, you're with Mr. Griffin. What's the room number? And I gave her the room number. And she said, okay. She's like, you have access now. She goes, you can have whatever you want. And I walked in there, and it was the finest spread of meats and cheeses and bagels and eggs and all kinds of different juices. I mean, it was the most amazing. I think they had avocado toast. I mean, come on, somebody. They had everything. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me again, and he said, Jamie, you only have access because of who you're in relationship with. This is what I found 
about believers is we have forgotten who we're in relationship with. We have forgotten that we are children of the king. We are we are children of the most high God. We are children of the beginning and the end. We are children of the first and the last. We are children of the alpha and the omega. We are children of the one who literally had chewed, spoke the whole world into existence. We are the king's kids and we deserve nothing less than the best of what the king has for us. And some of us in this room, you are living under, you are living below you are living beneath you are pointing your finger at everybody else telling them they're the reason you're in the position you're in and I'm here to tell you today the only reason you're in the spot that you're in today is because you have forgotten who your daddy is come on somebody I am a king's kid. I do not have to settle for less. I do not have to be less. I do not have to take less. I can stand in power. I can stand in authority. I can stand before my dad and I can declare to the enemy. I can declare to principalities and powers. I can declare to the darkness that my God rules. My God reigns. Oh yeah, that's so good. And I stand above you. You got to remember who you are in God. I've come to remind you today. Oh yeah, we're running now. You've got rights. The Bible tells us you have the right to joy in Proverbs 10, 28. It says the prospect of the righteous is joy. If you do not have joy today, it is your right. You have a right to peace. If you cannot sleep at night, if you're worried about the next uh, wave of COVID, if you're worried about the next disease, if you're paying attention to anything that they're telling you on the news, shut it off because the Bible tells me in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You have the right to peace today. You don't have to worry about the next disease. You don't have to worry about what who is saying. You don't have to worry about the, what the White House is saying. You have to focus on your daddy and remember that he is the one who guards you. You have the right to forgiveness. If you walked in this room and you feel shameful, if you feel put out, if you feel like I'm too far from God, the Bible says in Romans 3.24, all, not some, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Do you understand that you are, you are entitled to you have the right to freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, oh yeah, somebody read your Bible, freedom, okay? You have the right, listen to me, to authority. Luke 10.19 says, behold, I have given you authority. You have the right to power. Yeah, Mark talks about that a lot. Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You have the right to be fruitful. Genesis 1.28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. You have the right to right relationships. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Galatians 5.22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Have you forgotten who your father is? You do not have to be stuck in the same zip code all of your life. You can move up. You can go higher. Your 
this, this, this is just my lot in life. It's your lot in life because you have convinced yourself in between your ears, in your mind, you have believed that's all you could have. You have determined that I, I'm going to stay here. Because when you make a determination, I'm no longer going to stay here anymore, you'll move. It's, it's, the farmer, it's the farmer who has the dog. The dog is sitting up underneath the porch. And underneath the porch where the dog is sitting, he's sitting on a nail. And the farmer's friend walks up to him and looks at him and says, Sir, your dog, he's under the porch. Yeah, I know. Tell me something I don't know. Sir, he's sitting on a nail. Yeah, tell me something I don't know. Sir, do you understand that if your dog is under the porch, sitting on a nail, it probably hurts. And the farmer goes, you're right, it probably does. But he'll move when it hurts bad enough. For some of us, it's just time to move. I mean, it's literally time to move. You should, you should move out of the physical place you're in, and in the next 90 days, you should move somewhere else. Not away from this church. Some of you just need to get out of the house that you're in. Literally. Physically, you need to leave that house. Every time I go in there, the memories. Every time I go in there, I smell it. Every time I go in there, I remember them. Every time I go in there, I get depressed. Then move. Have you driven down the street? I mean, from, from where we stayed 10 minutes away to here, there had to be 15,000 homes or more. Move. Go to a different street. Right? You know you have benefits? Psalm 103, 1 through 5 says this, Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Did you know that you have benefits to being a believer? I'm tired of going to local churches and finding people who are filled with the Holy Ghost, who have been serving the Lord for decades, yet somehow, someway, are still in the same situation they were in 15 years ago. Let me help you, friend. That's not God. Or God's fault. That's on us. I was driving down the highway. I had landed from an event. Uh, when did I land? I landed on Sunday night this past week. I went to an event. I landed on Sunday night. I was in Kansas City. And I landed. I'm in the car. And we're, I'm on my way home. And the Lord begins to speak to me so clearly. And he says, you are where you are because you haven't done anything different. And if you're going to have different, you have to do different. If you're going to see different, you have to be different. We have to open our minds to what God has for us and realize that it's endless. It's an endless wellspring that flows. And we can be anybody and we can do anything according to his will if we would just believe. If we would just believe. Huh. Second Kings chapter 4. Here we go. I'm going to close. I don't know what close this is, but I get six. So here's my close. Second Kings chapter four says this. 
I wanted to lay a foundation for you, that you have rights, that you have benefits, that when you're in the right relationship, when you believe, all things are possible. So hear me. 2 Kings chapter 4 says this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Oh, my gosh. I just got to stop there for a second. This widow sees the prophet, tells the prophet, my husband is dead. (laughs) But his creditors are coming to take my two boys as slaves. Let me talk to all the men in the room. You ready? This is for you, man to man. Don't you dare die and leave your family in a bad position. While you're living, be as selfless as you can possibly be to put your wife and children in the best possible position that you can. This man dies and the creditors are calling her. Coming to take her sons as slaves to pay a debt that, their hus- that the husband left them with. The last thing I want when I die is creditors calling my wife asking for bills that I didn't pay. Hello? This is not a topic that's preached much. We are men. We are protectors. We are overseers of our household. And while we're living, we better put our family in the best possible position so that if we die or when we die, because we will die, our family is not left cleaning up our mess. Yeah, but she shops a lot on Amazon. And there are one or two problems there. Number one, you don't make enough income for her to have any time or any any sort of flexibility to shop on Amazon, or number two, you're not in control of your household. I've got a little button on all of my cards that says freeze. It's like freeze. Like we're in unison. Two have become one. But if she gets wild and wants to go crazy on Amazon, freeze. (laughs) I got the power of freeze, baby. (laughs) Good luck. Right? I love my wife and my children so much that I have set in place things that if God takes me home early, which I plan to live at least till 100, if God takes me home early, they will be just fine. You understand that? I manage our finances well here, and then I set other things up so just in case... I don't want her to use the life insurance. She probably wants to use it because it's for a million dollars. But I don't want her to have to use the life insurance. But if I die, I'm not a life insurance salesman, by the way. I'm practically teaching you to set up your family in the right position. If I die, guess what? She's going to be okay. She's not going to have anything to worry about. There's not a single creditor that's going to come calling to her, begging for her to pay anything because it'll be taken care of the moment that I die. She would be set in place. So here's this woman trying to figure it out all by herself. How horrible is this? 
Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Oh yeah, look at your neighbor and say your house. Your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts, and your sons can live on what is left. When I was coming in today, I said, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? He goes, talk about it again. I said, these people have already heard this. He said, talk about it again. Because sometimes you need to hear it seven or eight times for you to actually get it. I said, the people have already heard about this. He said, no, tell them again. That everything that you need is already in your house. That you don't have to look anywhere else. You don't have to look to a bank. You don't have to look to a president. You don't have to look to a commissioner. You don't have to look to a boss or a job. All you have to do is look on the inside of your house and you will find everything that you need. Everything that you need is already found in the house. And so the, the, the prophet says, what do you have inside of your house? And what she responds with is the same way that we always respond when we are asked, what do we have? She says, oh, oh, nothing. Oh, nothing. What, what do you have? Oh, nothing. People ask, what are your giftings? What are your talents? Oh, oh, you know, I'm just not that good. We always want to play small. And then she goes, she goes, yeah, she goes, nothing. But I mean, I have a small jar of oil. We'll, we'll, we'll move forward just a little bit. I mean, we backtrack all the way to, oh, I have nothing. Oh, I've got nothing at all. I mean, it's just poor, poor me, poor Jamie. Oh, Jamie doesn't have anything. Jamie's not good enough. You know, it's just, oh, I'm just a, I'm just a servant of the Lord. Oh, I just, just the most high God. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm just a nobody. I have nothing. No, no, what do you have? Oh, I just have a small jar of oil. I didn't ask you what size it was. I asked you, what do you have? I don't care about the size. The offering that we talked about earlier, it wasn't because it was bigger. It was better because it was done by faith. The prophet's asking, what do you have? Oh, I just have a small, a small jar of oil. That, that's, that's it. That's all I have. Would you please stop saying that's all I have? And would you start realizing that you're a king's kid and God works in multiplication and he's trusted you with what you have right now and he can multiply that very thing to take care of all of your needs? You don't need much, you just need what you have. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Here we go, we're gonna run now. He said, why don't you go, why don't you take those jars of oil? Why don't you take that jar of oil? And when you take that jar of oil, have your sons go around and collect other jars. Go collect other jars and watch me do a miracle. So her sons run around. Her sons collect all of these jars. They go back into the room and they start pouring the oil. Oh man, this is so good. They're pouring, they're pouring the oil. So here's this small little jar of oil that can do little to nothing. But by faith, from a word from the Lord, it begins to multiply. All of a sudden, they start collecting these jars, collecting, collecting, collecting. They're in the back room. They're pouring the oil, pouring the oil, pouring the oil. Oh, my gosh, this is so good. Pouring the oil. And for every jar they had, the small jar of oil filled those empty jars up. 
You know what I wonder when I read this story? Because I see near at the end, it said when they got to the last jar, the oil stopped flowing. I wonder what would, ha- would have happened if they would have been creative in the situation and they just wouldn't have gone and collected jars from other people, but they would have started a jar making business. What, what would have happened in that scenario if all of a sudden they said, you know what, I'm not just gonna collect from other people, but I'm gonna start reproducing myself. I'm gonna start multiplying myself. I'm gonna start engaging myself. What if, I, what if I started a factory where I just made jars on my own? If I made clay jars on my own? If I made glass jars on my own? What would happen if I just decided that I was gonna grow this? Thing? What if I were to hire two or three other people to say, hey, why don't I pay you to make some jars? Just start making some jars. And what if I would have told them to go find somebody else and have the, do you understand that to this day that it is quite possible that out of that little home from a widow who lost her husband who had lost his mind and put his family in a bad position who had a word from the Lord from the prophet could still have a jar making business today but we always put boundaries we got to put our God-sized thinking on God, how big can you go? You know how big he can go? Endless. Endless. Supersized. There's two or three people that are in this room. Actually, it's more like seven or eight for a fact. There's seven or eight people that are in this room in the next 12 months. I'm just telling you, you're going to run with this word. You're going to run with it. And in the next 12 months, you're going to get in the best shape that you've ever been in your entire life. Um, listen to me, seven or eight of you. You're gonna take it, you're gonna go, guess what, I'm a king's kid. I gotta do the best that I can. I can be the best that I can possibly be. I gotta do everything I can do. You're, you're gonna go, you're gonna pay off all your debt in the next 12 months. There are people under the sound of my voice that you are gonna create multiple new streams of revenue over the next 12 months. There are people in this room, you are gonna, in 12 months from now, you will testify, I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. There are people in this room that are gonna take this word and you are gonna go fill the house of God by sharing your faith. You understand that? You're gonna go and you're gonna bring people into the building and they're gonna be saved, they're gonna be restored, they're gonna be renewed. There are people who are sitting in this very building right now under the sound of my voice that you will be living in a different place. You're getting the word back there. It's definitely for you. There are people in this very building that are going to take the word, and within 90 days, you will be moved. You will be moved. There are people under the sound of my voice. Listen to me, Mr. or Mrs. I've done good in my life, and I'm happy, and I'm in my dream home. You're in your 60s. You've got plenty of years ahead of you. Why don't you go back and get a second wind, and why don't you go further? Why don't you go higher? Why don't you help somebody else instead of being comfortable for the next 20 years? Make it sound spiritual. They mad at me anyways. Help me. Uh Uh-huh. I'll wait on you. I just offended everybody in their 60s and 70s that wanted to retire and quit and do nothing else but go out to eat and drink Starbucks for the rest of their life. That wanted to go down to their man cave that wanted to watch football on the weekends, that said, I've worked for years and years and years and years, and I built this thing. Why are you talking to me? I'm talking to you because Jesus did a work until he died. Jesus kept going until the very day of his death. There is no retirement in the Bible. There is no giving up in the Bible. You keep going. You keep serving. You keep giving it everything. I'm not telling you that you've got to go dig ditches. What I'm telling you is you should use your mind at this point in your life to create something that produces long after you're gone.
Uh huh. Yeah, thanks. Oh, wow, it's late. It's late. All right, here we go. It's late. It's late. It's late. It's late. It's late. Oh, my gosh. It's late. (laughs) She took the very thing that was in her house. She took the very thing from the word that she got from the Lord. She took it and she put it to work. Her and her sons. And the oil flowed. And when the oil flowed... When it was done flowing, he said, go sell it. And when they sold it, it paid off all of their debts. And he says, you can live on what is left. That one word from the Lord paid off all the debts and gave them enough to live for the rest of their life. Did you know one word from the Lord today? One word could position you to have enough resource that you could live on for the rest of your life. And if you don't believe that, then you don't believe in God. Because he is the God. Listen to me. The oil, listen. The oil sent by miracle continued flowing as long as she had empty vessels to receive it. We are never straightened in God or in the riches of his grace. All of our straightness is in ourselves. It is our faith that fails, not his promises. He gives more than we ask. Where there are more vessels, were there more vessels, there is enough in God to fill them. Enough for all, enough for each. Did you hear me? It wasn't God who failed in your situation. It was our faith that fails. And sometimes it's our lack of understanding. Can I help you? It's our lack of understanding. The most brutal thing that we can ever go through in life is the death of someone else. I lost 35 family members in a matter of 14 months. Aunts, uncles, cousins, grandmas. I know that loss of pain. It wasn't my lack of faith that caused them to die. God revealed to me, no, 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 no. That was my plan. That was my plan. I had a bigger plan. You know, I'm sharing that with you today. Some of you are getting healed right now. Because I'm sharing with you that I've been through the same pain that you're going through right now. It was their time. It was, it was their time. I couldn't change that. I believed. And I had faith, and that's what I should do. But it's okay. But sometimes our faith fails us. And when our faith fails us, things around us start falling apart. But his promise never changed. If God told you he was going to do it, that means he's going to do it. If God said it's going to happen, that means it's going to happen. But if you show, if you, if you quit short and you don't show up, you won't experience it. That, that oil was miraculous. What does it mean? That, what does that word straighten mean? It, it, there's no straight, we're never straightened in God. What does that mean? That we're never in poverty. We're never impoverished. We're never poverty stricken. We're never destitute. We're never penniless. We're never broke. And we're never restricted. You know, in God, you're never any of those things. If you weren't here last year, I grew up in a home. Incredible poverty. In the mind, in the heart. And the poverty of the mind and the poverty of the heart led to poverty in the bank. Paycheck to paycheck, month to month, bankruptcy. Lost our house. The whole thing. I shouldn't be standing here today based on that situation. 
but I changed my belief in who God was and who I was in God. We're never in poverty. We're never impoverished. We're never poverty stricken. We're never destitute. We're never penniless. And we're never broke. Because God created us, the miracle that you're looking for is always in the house. It's always in the house. It's always in your house. And it's always in your house. How do I know it's on the inside of you? Number one, because God created you in his image. Huh. Now that's for another time. I'll talk about that next time. Oh, that's so good. He created you in his image. You were created like God. He gave you giftings. He gave you talents. He gave you abilities. Why? Number two, because the Holy Spirit lives in you. So everything you need, capture this, everything you need is in the house. Stop looking everywhere else. When Jesus, was, when Jesus was on earth, they looked at him and they said, where is the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God? Where is it? Jesus, where is the kingdom? And Jesus said, stop looking over there and stop looking over here for the kingdom of God is within you. You have endless power because the kingdom of God is in you. Jamie, how did this revelation get unlocked? Here it is, final close. I didn't forget, don't you worry. Jamie, what are you talking about? We're talking about difference makers. You're gonna be a difference maker. You are a difference maker when you get the revelation that everything you need is already in the house. You just have to put it to work. This full revelation was birthed within my wife and I five, four years ago now. In May of 2018, some of you heard this last year. I'm gonna run through it, but you've gotta know it if you don't already know it. The revelation of the kingdom of God is on the inside of my house was birthed in me four years ago because I sat in the Pocono Mountains and I was broke. I was destitute. I was penniless. I felt, I felt restricted. You hear me? I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I had $125,000 in consumer debt. I didn't know how I was going to pay it. I had 11 credit cards that were fully maxed out to the max, over $40,000. I remember one credit card had over $10,000 on it by him, by itself. And when you were in my position and you were making $50,000 a year and almost all of that total income, would you had debt of credit cards the same size at 29% interest. Hello, somebody. They told me that it would take me 35 years to pay it all off. You know that we have a $1.8 trillion student loan crisis right now? My wife and I, little did we know that we'd have the privilege of being a part of something so large. Pastor Mark talked about being a part of things that are bigger than yourself. Well, hello. We had student loan debt through the roof, through our eyeballs. I, had, I owed money to my in-laws. I owed money to my grandma. I owed money to everybody. Everywhere I turned, I owed money to somebody. $125,000 in consumer debt. That wasn't a mortgage. That wasn't good debt. That was bad debt that was crushing us with a $50,000 a year income and spending that into oblivion. And I'm in the Pocono Mountains and I'm like, I'm looking back through my history and I'm going, I'm acting the same way my family did. I'm following that path. They love Jesus. My mom's probably watching today. Hey, mom. They, they love Jesus. Through just poor financial decisions. 
Do you know that your finances can affect every single area of your life? Pastor Steph was telling me this thing about how we learned about apostles. I'm just kidding. And so, <laughs> it's for you, Pastor Steph. <laughs> Money affects every area of your life. Every area. Every area. And we were so broken. By the way, I've been saved since I was five. I've been on the road since 2010. In 2018, I had nothing to show for it. And I had determined in my heart and in my mind that this was my lot in life. And it was from one of Mark's friends, Pastor Andy Vanderlinden, invited me to join a group. He said, let's lift the lid. Let's lift the lid. And in May 2018, I joined that group. I'm in the Pocono Mountains. The Lord begins to speak to me so strongly. He said, son, I never created you to live like this. I actually created you to be like me. I created you to have power. I created you to have authority. I created you to have dominion. I created you to be, to be fruitful and multiply. Son, I created you to have power. Son, I created you to do great things. God, oh, son, I created you to heal the sick. Son, I created you to do more than you could ever imagine. And by choice, you have laid in this pit. But I've come here today to pull you out if you'll do it my way. And I looked at God and I said, God, what do you mean? What do you mean do it your way? He said, Jamie, if you want to get out of this, you're going to have to do something different. It's just what he said to me last week. Because we go from mountaintop to mountaintop. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be here anymore. He said, Jamie, you've got to go do something new to see something new. And in 2018, listen to me, in 2018, my wife and I started this journey that we call the generosity journey. We had given, Pastor, we had given $5,000 in all of 2017, it matched our income, 5,700. We made $56,000 that year. We, were, we had always been tithers. If you're not a tither, you're gonna be challenged. Challenge you today to start tithing. It's, it's, it's a non-negotiable. My parents filed for bankruptcy, but we were tithers. Well, why should I be a tither if your parents were tithers and they filed bankruptcy? Because they didn't manage the other money well. I was a tither, I was protected by God. I just didn't manage the other stuff well. The reason we were still living and had food on our table and a place to live was because we were tithers. I guarantee you, if we weren't tithers, we would have been homeless on the side of the street. I can guarantee you, if we weren't tithers, my wife wouldn't be with me today. I'm just telling you. But tithing protected us from the, the, the chaos, chaos, you know, the crazy chaos. But God said, if you want to get out of this, stop being a consumer, stop being focused on yourself, and start giving. Start going and start giving. Okay, God. So my wife and I determined in 2018 we were going to get out of our mess. We were no longer going to be financially destitute. We were no longer going to be penniless. We were no longer going to stay the same way. We were going to be all that God created us to be. We were going to preach the gospel all over the world. We were going to make a difference, be a difference maker. That's what we were going to be. And so in 2018, we started to give. We upped our giving double. We said, okay, God, we'll double our giving. We actually went from $5,700 in giving, well, tithing, and then we upped that. We said, okay, we're going to give above and beyond. And in 2018, we went to $12,500 in total giving that year. You know how you do it? You make a decision. I'm going to do it. It was on a word from the Lord. Everyone on the sound of my verse, you're getting, you're getting a word from the Lord today that it's time to take a step to be a bigger difference maker in every area of your life. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt, it always starts in the house. It always starts in finances. That story was about money. They were destitute. Money won't make you happy. 
That's what a broke person said. <laughs> Hello? If it won't make you happy, why don't you just give it all away? A little comfort. It's a tool God uses. So my wife and I said, we're just going to be reckless. Boom. We started paying off debt. It was crazy, wasn't it? 2019, we went from $12,500 in giving to $30,000 in giving. Boom, on a word from the Lord. 2020, we went from $30,000 in giving to $50,000 in giving. On a word from the Lord. We gave almost as much in 2020 as we made in 2017. You know what happened during this process? You know what happened? Debt, we started paying debt off. Just like clockwork. The more we gave, the more we trusted God, the more we used our giftings and our talents and our abilities, the more God kept giving to our house. Just how it worked. I didn't give and lay on the couch and wait on God. No, I gave, and by faith I went to work with the talents and the abilities that God had given me. You understand that? It's a whole full circle. I went to work and did what God had called me to do. 